You're listening to the Well Women Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's cycle health educator. Together, we're normalizing periods, cracking open real body talk, and femme rising the future. I'm here to remind you that your body is amazing. You can achieve balance, and body confidence all begins with your menstrual cycle. Get ready, beautiful. You're about to learn how to confidently reconnect with your body and discover your unique flow. This is episode 52. In this episode, we are joined by Naomi Hutchings. Naomi is a clinical sexologist currently living and working in Brisbane, Queensland. She's been working in a diverse range of roles in the field of human sexuality for over 15 years. So it's safe to say she knows her sex stuff. (laughs) Naomi offers sex and relationship counseling and education face-to-face online and via phone consult from Brisbane and I'm really excited about this episode because we delve into a lot of stuff around sexology and Naomi literally is an amazing guest speaker and activist and participates in loads of different media commentary such as the Triple J hack. If you haven't heard it before, maybe you'll have to Google Naomi Hutchings. But in this episode, we get into some pretty fun topics. And when I say fun, I'm talking sexy fun. We talk about your relationship with your yoni. We actually have a big discussion about masturbation and self-pleasure and language. We really dive into language around orgasms, your sex talk, and sexual responsibility. Plus, how to feel less shame around buying tampons and pads as a woman. So if you want to get to know your vulva, aka part of your vagina and your yoni even better, definitely tune into all of this podcast episode. You're going to love it. All right, let's jump into it. Naomi, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. Well, I've won online. <laughs> online, yes. yes. By the online platform. Thank goodness for the internet. Mm-hmm. I, um, I'm, I'm especially excited about this episode because I've wanted to have a sexologist on the podcast for so long, like literally since we started and launched mm-hmm. last year. And so I'm excited that you're, you're here and joining us today and we're going to be getting into some juicy topics. There we are. Thank you. I'm enjoying going to be your first one on the mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Like what is it that you do for the listeners? A lot of people don't even know what a sexologist mm. is. Like, so what is it that you do? Okay, basically the reason I can call myself a sexologist just means that I studied human sexuality at a university level. Uh, and so most people get into sort of three um, streams of that, either research, education, and the clinical meaning, just, you know, having people in your office um, or in your counselling space or therapy space where you work with people around many different types of sexual um, presentations, uh, you know, difficulties or whatever. So I've done a bit of both, mostly um, uh, the education space. I've been in there, like, like uh, I've been in the whole area of human sexuality for about 15 years in different spaces doing sex education and uh, training. I also taught human sexuality at university um, to mostly post or undergrad education or health science. So I used to do um, a lot of that. Um, And then training professionals like doctors, nurses, um, other professionals just who wanted to know how to have that conversation with clients or wherever they were in that space. Mostly now I do um, like a bit of media and guest speaking, but mostly it's all just in, in my room where um, they come, come into my office and I see couples or I see um, pe- yeah, people. My youngest client was six and my oldest were a couple who the guy was turning 90. 
Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know um, we both have a mutual friend, Vicky, who yes. was recently on the, on the podcast episode, episode mm-hmm. number 48, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And um, we talked all about clits. It was, the, you know, your relationship with your clit. Mm. And the feedback from that was just overwhelming, overwhelming yeah. overwhelmingly yeah. good. Yeah. It really opened up the conversation about getting to know your body and in the interviews for the documentary that she filmed, me and her, she was saying that she was, you know, there was two women, both in their seventies. Mm-hmm. One never had experienced you like touching her clit mm. or having it like pleasured. And the other one was actually starting a tantra kind of like, uh, <laughs> what's like, oh, I don't know whether it was like a course, but she was yeah, like, amazing seventies. And so it just goes <laughs> to show you never too yeah. old. Yeah. Um, so I love to kick off the episodes with asking a very simple question, but what day of your menstrual cycle are you on and how are you feeling today? Like, what are you checking in on? Okay. So I, um, don't bleed. I had a, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, many years ago I had an endometrial ablation. So I used to have a lot of really heavy bleeding and to be honest, all the women in my family, had this like my grandmother was like 27 when they made her like she had a hysterectomy she used to tell me these horrific stories of being over a bucket and things like that i mean she's nearly oh she's 85 but it's passed down and i have a daughter and she also has really quite heavy periods so um i would try all different things and in the end when i knew i didn't want any um to have any more children because i'd had that unplanned pregnancy when i was 16 and had a baby when i was 17 mm-hmm. um, but after that i i knew i was going to have any more so around 28 29 i think i had the endometrial ablation so basically if you know what that is in simple terms i'm not a doctor but they blast the inside of your lining so you still get your ovaries and everything but you don't don't bleed uh, or you get a very light bleed. So um, I don't bleed. <laughs> okay. Well, what are you checking in? Like, how are you feeling today? Because I feel like one of the most important things with women is just recognising how you feel. Like, a Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm a bit tired. I've got a bit of insomnia and um, uh, I think that might be some anxiety that I'm pretending is not there. That's what I actually think it is. And I was on a on Triple J and the hookup last night till quite late. So, um, yeah, just a bit tired and flat, really. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing. It's very vulnerable to share how you feel, but like it's so empowering too to like yeah. actually recognize within yourself. So mm. let's jump into some really cool topics because cool. there's a few little questions I have to ask you, but I wanted to kick it off with getting to know your yoni now a lot Mm -hmm. of women don't even know what their yoni is um Mm -hmm. but your relationship with your body from a sexologist point of view Mm. how important is it as a woman to have a relationship with your yoni so um i work with people who also don't identify as women as well who anyone with a vulva and a vagina so i think i spend a lot actually a lot of time with clients in various stages of their um journey of rediscovering or discovering um, their vulva and vagina you know they're just um, trying to unpack some stuff that happened when they were younger or even things as they're older Um, so yeah I think I think it's super important if we're going to talk about experiencing sexual pleasure I have some people who have had parts of their um clitoris or all of their clitoris taken away from them through cultural slash religious a few different reasons and I've had to work with them around how to feel good about their body still and, and re 
re-engage with it, I suppose, and try mm. to deal with that. So yeah, I think it's important if, you know, especially if sexuality and looking at being sexual with yourself or other people is something that you want to do. Let's talk about self-pleasure because yeah. if you, I know there's a lot of different women who are either very, they love the whole self-pressure thing and they're on the bandwagon of that. And then there's mm. other women who kind of are like, oh, it's kind of a bad thing. I don't really enjoy mm-hmm. doing it or I feel uncomfortable, even in their own space on their own. Yeah. But the, like the women listening who would like to start a self pra- like self-pleasure practice mm-hmm. and getting to know their uni, like what are some steps that you would recommend to them in like, exploring themselves look I, I mean usually so if they're in with me we sort of i have to start sort of unpacking what's behind going on so it so for example it could be that um i might meet someone who was busted and i say that you know like as if it's a problem that they were busted touching their body and and the experience was really negative so then they mm. just shut it down or hit it so they've got a lot of shame tied around that or they've had just depending on um Again, the val- the culture of their family, but also if they've got some, depending on what religion, if that's part of their experience, a few different reasons. Um, they may have got messages about that being shameful as well. Um, yeah, and also, so we unpack some of that stuff or it might be just that, you know, some of the other things that they get taught where, you know, I used to do this activity with people uh, um, in sex ed classes about all the names for vaginas and um, clitorises and, and, you know, some of them were really quite derogatory and we sort of would unpack that. And I think sometimes people have taken some of that stuff off, uh, stuff, you know, with them around, you know, about their lips being too long or, you know, fishy smells and just different things like that. So sometimes I'm working right back there trying mm. to work out what's going on before I get them to really start um, being open. Because sometimes I can say, all right, how about we do some homework and you're going to go home and see if we can get you to just look at your vulva. So, so depending on who is in my room, because sometimes people haven't even been, they're so upset about it, they can't even touch themselves to use a tampon perhaps or put a cup in or whatever. Um, so, yeah, or I sometimes have people struggle after they've birthed the baby vaginally and they've had some um, cuts or scarring or tearing or whatever. And that's a whole new um, feeling for them around their body. So depending on where they're at, we're, we're working through that and also, you know, suggesting things like the labia library, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that for people to have a look at just how beautiful and diverse labias are. Um, yeah. So yeah, it depends on, on what they're there. And so we're trying to just get, I've got to see what's happening and where they're at and then trying to unpack some of that stuff to get them to feel okay. And it's interesting. A lot of women don't feel really okay about their body. And mm-hmm. I guess like this really opens up a really great can of worms yeah. because if you think of women, I like to think, so I'm 33. I remember when I was at school, my real sex education came from like the sealed section of Dolly. Yeah, right. <laughs> and do you know what they did to that sealed section? Even though that was a sealed section, there was Australian law, which I believe still stands. And I used to try and ring up and ch- challenge this law was that anything that came poking out of the outer labia there was digitally removed anyway. So you were never getting the full look of people's labia. So we actually had a law. Can you imagine if they did that what? with penises? Oh so, yeah, so any labia that hung out or the, if the clitoris was um, one that poked out, yeah. That's so that's even though you're looking at that sealed section, because I know that one, I'm nearly 46, but I, and I remember those things. Yeah. Wow. That's insane. It's well, it actually got like, it's a great little segue because it, the whole magazine thing. 
that's and we only then got a magazine once a month you know and if we had enough money to buy it as a teenager exactly hey we have access to devices mm. where yeah. we can see things multiple times throughout the day yeah. times that by 28 days or 30 days in the month that's mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. much more exposure and yeah self-pressure which is mm-hmm. generally the biggest yeah about way things want to look and i think mm-hmm. A lot of women, when they are learning about themselves and the way that they look, so the way that their vulva looks, and for those who don't know what the difference is between a vagina and a vulva, can you quickly right. explain? Oh, yeah. So the vagina, it's really funny. This is, you know, because I do sex education, I'm like, what are you saying? You know, you're not, you can't even see the vagina. The vagina is inside your body. So it's mm-hmm. like a, you know, it's kind of like this flat sort of tube, kind of like an accordion that's sort of in there. And, you know, but it's the, what you see on the outside is all, is the tip of the clitoris and, and the labia. Um, uh, so, and that whole area is the vulva. So really it's quite funny that we do that, that we, you know, point and say, where's your vagina? And like, well, actually you can't see it. That's not your vagina. Mm, so, yeah. Mm. And one's pubis on the front. So I spend a lot of time talking about that. Well, it's just basic education really. Yeah. But it's because we weren't taught when we were younger. And I yeah. guess parents like my mom and dad never taught me about this stuff. Yeah. But what happens today, I feel is that a lot of women, and I want to ask you how you see this in your practice mm. and in your work and then how you work with women around it. A lot of women, and I know even for myself in the past with sexual partners, feeling a little bit self-conscious that it doesn't look right. Yeah. And that's because we only would see something in like, like a picture or yep. like I know a lot of boys, for example, might've seen something in like a porn magazine. Mm, girls mm. would have. Yeah. And so then we judge ourselves mm-hmm. against this, but people totally. don't know about editing. No. Then forwards like, Oh, I look really, really different. And I feel like this. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. why I guess the labia library is so fantastic. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. How does this work with women's health in sexuality with them? Like, feeling uncomfortable about the way that they look like yeah well a lot like I honestly like when we talk about self-pleasure and um or even letting a a partner or partners um pleasure them struggling with that and trying to you know they're in there saying oh Naomi I really 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 just want to be able to have an orgasm through penetration I'm like that is such a heteronormative ideal and not usually the way if you look at the way the clitoris are so often I'm sitting there with diagrams or pictures or whatever showing them so that they can actually see that it makes more sense that you'd get pleasure from um, touching around the outside whether that be with fingers toys tongue whatever um, but then they struggle with that letting someone do that to them or be touched because they're not even comfortable or someone's teased them and and sometimes lovers haven't been so great they've made comments about long lips and things like that without even realizing that's actually normal because they haven't seen you know it's like a magazine right it's like mm. Instagram, all the things you look at it and you're like look seriously kim kardashian does not wake up looking like that <laughs> it's the same thing and if people knew about the rules and the and the editing right and and so people with penises often get to see other people walking around because the penis is mostly hanging from the outside of their bodies and whereas people with vulvas don't and um i mean sometimes you know they might get to see people so they might see some lips hanging down but it's a lot harder I suppose and not so in your face right so they don't even have that experience Mm. yeah and it's funny like even just talking about the penis in that way is that if you think of boys in locker rooms yeah you know growing up that for them it was just so much more common and natural for them Mm -hmm. just to Mm -hmm. like shower in the same room yeah yeah it's interesting um getting comfortable in your body as you get older Mm. is a really beautiful art and I think um there's so much pressure put on young women and I, I work with a lot of young women mm, mm. about them feeling comfortable in their bodies but 
let's talk quickly about orgasms because you mentioned mm-hmm. about like internal orgasms versus external mm-hmm. orgasms. Mm-hmm. I feel had, after talking to, to Vicky who did this documentary, who was mm-hmm. in a previous podcast about clits is that why are orgasms so different for different women? And mm. what is the, the mental state around? Well, I see, or my friend has orgasms like this. So therefore if I'm not having an orgasm like that, then I'm not reaching my full potential, so to speak. Yeah. Look, I mean, first off, I, I don't even use any language around internal out. I just call them all orgasms because mm-hmm. we know that, geez, I know people who they've been in wheelchairs, they've got no movement and then they can touch their ears and all the things have changed and they can have an orgasm through that way. People can have orgasms through no contact on the genitals, um, touching mm-hmm. breasts, you know, whatever. But yeah. a lot of people do. They come to me like, no, me, there's something wrong with me because all I can only have a clit orgasm. And I'm saying, if you knew what the clit looked like and how it was, you're having an orgasm through a whole bunch of reasons so i'll just say let's this is where i come from i just say i'm not even going to use it i'm going to say might say oh you you prefer an orgasm with some penetration or you prefer it um without penetration you know but i will just say they're all orgasms whether you have one through kissing or you know some people can do that um so i'll just talk about what are we what are you after anyway you know what's your goal and often people will talk about it's in the end it's like pleasure and and things like that and i'm like okay well let's talk about how you get that not saying that you have to do it or you should which is such a pain in the ass that word kind of you know in this regard, really right the shoulds the shoulds i'm like who says so uh yeah i talk lots about just you're aiming for an orgasm let's talk about how we can get there and unpack that and and talk about you know does it really matter and yeah for some people that at first they're really like no my partner really wants me to orgasm that way. And I'm like, your partner has a different body to you. So let's talk about that. You know, I think that's really important. Let's talk about expectations mm-hmm. sexually. Mm-hmm. I know that myself um, in past experiences with partners, having certain expectations on myself and yeah. also their expectations. Uh-huh. And I think one of the, and being very open here with everybody listening, I think one of the, the things is when you're actually having like penetrative sex with a partner and, you know, they're, they're asking you, and this is a heterosexual relationship, yeah. um, and they're asking you that, you know, they want you to orgasm and they want you to like, you know, mm-hmm. to have that experience. It's, a, it's an expectation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's and expectations so that, that ruin it. Yeah. And then the mind comes in. So how does expectation and the relationship of the mind and the body really either amplify your sexual experience or like hinder their sexual experience yeah i mean i like we talk about them like sex expectations just get you down right you know i love that it's like that i i think you know think of a you know they'll get you down the penis is not going to stand up when you might want it to if you've got all these unrealistic expectations the same with orgasms the more you think about it like that you get stuck in your head our brain is our biggest sex organ that's how Mm. i kind of look at it and that if you're stuck in your head it's a lot harder to allow yourself to get into that space to feel and um yeah feel the pleasure and get ready to be able to have an orgasm um but yeah that is really struggle it's a struggle and i think even last night i was on the radio last night and i was actually triple j for those who yeah i was on it the hook up and and they were uh, were, they were talking about this calls are ringing in and i 
And I said, you are not responsible for getting your partner off. And, and they're not responsible for getting you off. What you're responsible for is owning your body and actually working out how to verbalize how you feel good to share this with them. And then, of course, we facilitate each other's um, pleasure by doing certain things. If we know mm. what they want, that will help them experience possibly orgasm, sexual pleasure, whatever. So that's where I, I talk about, um, yeah, you know, but, and by having someone say, have you come yet? Is this it? It's like just, you know, um, trying to get everyone just to go, we're going to have, you know, it's like trying to get to that goal. It's more like instead of having an experience, it's just people are mechanically doing all of this stuff, which get, keeps people in their head, right? Yeah. It totally does. And I feel as though, this is just from my personal experience, mm-hmm. is I feel as though that um, with expectations is we live in a world as children we go to school and we're expected to get good grades we're expected to make friends we're expected to run fast we're expected to clean up after ourselves so we have all these expectations and we just accept that it's normal Mm. to have expectations yeah yeah however it's so important to have clear communication yeah and a question i get asked all the time Naomi, is about um like pregnancy prevention so women who uh-huh. are, because I, like, I work with the menstrual cycle, mm. everything I do is around the menstrual cycle and awareness right. around yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of women want to know about like safe sex practices. And I'm always saying that burgers don't just jump in your mouth, just mm-hmm. as penises don't just fly into the vagina. <laughs> so you need to like have clear communication with both parties between you and another mm. if you're going to be coming into like the art of sexuality with someone. Mm. And that's the same with communication, I feel. Mm-hmm. So for the women listening or men, and men listening, please men too, all humans listening, mm-hmm. if they would like to start opening up communication, it can be quite a vulnerable space. Yeah. What are some tips or questions that they could start with or things they could do to help bridge the communication gap around ex- like pleasure and experience and expectations? So, yeah, you were talking, you went there, about um con like contraception or trying to not yeah. get pregnant right and i think also i really kind of stress you know sometimes i'll work with people with penises in high school and they're all like how can i be a better lover amy and i'm like well one of the ways you can be a really good lover is maybe if you're having sex with people with a vagina is actually offer to pay for some of the contraception that you might be using the choices if they're using uh, uh condoms or the pill mm, or whatever i love that uh, yeah so also just having that conversation around that but also i want to acknowledge that despite all of these wonderful things that you know not everyone uses those sorts of contraception but lots of people have and they've they've been wonderful right and let them have sex for joy and pleasure and not worrying about that but they despite all of that some people still get pregnant when they do their very best not to get pregnant Mm -hmm. right it does happen Mm -hmm. um that's why we say nothing is a hundred sort of percent really um those suckers know how to get there you can ejaculate right near the vaginal opening and the body is designed to do that right so so i feel very um you know it's very important for people to understand that too but yeah you know i think um communication is just it's imperative. It's hard. You know, we're not mind readers. I know some people say they are, but it's like, no, we need to have a really proper like conversation around what's going on. And that this is, you know, and make it normal. Like we talk about 
well, I mean, I see some couples that don't talk about much, but generally, you know, we'll happily talk, have this conversation about planning a house or how many kids are we going to have? Some people do that conversation, you know, but they don't talk about what their sexual relationship's going to be like. How are we going to deal with this when we don't want to get pregnant anymore? What are we going to do after this? You know, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And we need to get better at it so it just becomes part of your um relationship style or, or whatever and then that means that that's the i mean because if you don't do it you're not going to nothing's going to change exactly <laughs> and if you can't be open and vulnerable with that person who mm. can you be open and vulnerable with? exactly i always think oh you, you know i find it really interesting it's, i mean obviously there are there's trauma and a whole bunch of other reasons people struggle with stuff but also it's like well you know you're going to get your undies off usually Get, kind of get naked most people sort of get naked you know but you don't want to have a conversation about it like yeah, yeah. full vulnerability being naked let alone won't right have yeah and i do say it's probably a good idea not to have the conversation in the middle of that space why don't you pick another time where it might land in a much better way driving the car together you know everyone talks about oh, how important eye contact is well in some cultures it's not mm-hmm. um, and also sometimes it's okay you might be walking side by side or doing something else and having a different combo where you can uh, a different space to have your combo. I think that's a really important point. It's like having an argument and then bringing up the thing that you've been like really frustrated about. Yeah. You just, you want to just surrender to the whole experience and just allow. Yeah. Um, let's talk, talking about language. Um, mm. And I mentioned this to you before we started the chat mm-hmm. is quite often I hear, and I've, um, you know, I've grown up with brothers and I've always had a lot of men in my life um like as friends and around me and something that's so common is the naughty mm. you've been really yeah. naughty or you know or are you having naughty thoughts mm. or have you mm. had naughty dreams or have you been naughty today mm. something <laughs> that i just can't stand is the communication and language that we use around masturbation or yeah. self-pleasure and i yeah. feel a lot of women specifically more so than men mm. um, from what i've witnessed through my mm. coaching experiences is they're really uncomfortable with the word masturbation. Yeah. And so self-pleasure is kind of nicer, it sounds nicer. Yeah, yeah. But when it comes to language from the others, from another person, like, oh, have you been naughty? Like, what's your, what's your reflection and experience with this? Look, I, I hear this a lot because obviously I used to do heaps of, pre, uh, you know, puberty sessions with younger people and stuff as well. And look, I do want to clarify that there are some people who've already worked out in their sexual space that naughty is the word they use. They might, that might be a thing. It's part of their dirty, again, I'm a quotation, dirty talk, you know, but it's part of kinky their sexual talk. thing, kinky talk, whatever you want it, language you want to use. But um, for uh, most of the time, yes, because this is what I'm seeing. The naughty is attached to shame and all of those things. And it's about why are we saying that? And I mean, let me, let me use an example of like, so I used to do a lot of puberty sessions and mm. I think some word was getting around in another city where I was living that I was doing them. People were really impressed with them. But um, sometimes a school would say, can you just show me your PowerPoints? And then they would just not talk to me. They would not get back. And I had a few who I realized, cause on a couple of my slides, you know, I talk about wet dreams or nocturnal emissions as the language, you know? Um, and I'm like, well, I'm also going to talk about clitoris and also that little ones can touch their clitoris and have an orgasm. And they were like, what? But some schools were fab and let me do it. And I, you know, but, um, 
that's what I mean, even right beyond, if you think about it, if you, a lot of the sex ed obviously was super inadequate anyway, but they'll still happily, that'll just fly off people's lips, the word wet dream, whatever. And they totally leave out the clitoris and orgasm. So I started running sessions. And so some people were a bit, you know, you could certainly see the parents in the room's eyes sort of, but I'd get some feedback around that. And I think, why aren't we told that? And that all ties into this naughty kind of, you know, mm. feeling or narrative around it, which around um, se- having sex with yourself, because, you know, that's usually what most people do first. And then we think of it as some sort of, you know, poor substitute for sex with others when it can be a beautiful experience and continue to be whether you're coupled or however many people you're in a relationship with or not. Yeah, I think it's such a great point. And just last week when the clip um, do- um, documentary clip podcast came out I actually went live on Instagram and I asked the polling question of um, how old were you when you discovered her Mm. and the responses were just astronomical like from I was 22 like Mm. WTF thousand exclamation marks I was four yeah you know I remember discovering her when I was four but I didn't really know her sexually until I was like 15. Mm, and mm. Um, it just goes to show that depending on the environment that you grow up in and the language and the communication yeah. I guess you have from parents, and uh-huh. I'm not a mother yet, but I would love to be in the future about working on, well, what is a, an optimal open way of communicating these natural things mm, mm. that some people deem as unnatural and yucky yeah, and yeah, naughty and yeah. all that happens behind the closet so we don't talk about that. Mm. but um these are really really great points thank you so much for sharing all right okay i do have a final question okay um and this is something that i get asked a lot about inside our well women academy mm-hmm. women around having sex on your period oh so some women are really open to doing so some women are in the like oh it's kind mm-hmm. of yucky and messy what yep. your like um your intake about how safe is it to have sex on your period mm-hmm. what's what can you expect if you're going to have sex on your period and what do women need to know? Look, so anyone who has a uterus and bleeds, um, you can have sex on your period or penetrative sex. I mean, depending on what you're doing, I think it's a matter of personal choice. Some people think it's icky. Some people get so horny, helps with lubrication and they have um, better orgasms that help them, you know, pain reliever. So I'm like, throw a towel down, whatever, put some dark thing down, off you go. Other people might put a cup in or a tampon if they want to have some oral just so that there's no um, potential bleeding on the outside. Some partners are really cool. I suppose it's having a convo about that in regards to safety i suppose if you're thinking about you know blood we know that some stis um, you can get that through blood so there is that just to think about um, but if you're having checks and you've done all that then you know that's okay and and for a lot of people i think it's just you know some people don't like blood or they've got sensory issues or, or whatever but for a lot of people it, it can be a wonderful time and if they're okay with that i say yeah like i said just throw something a dark towel down or whatever it is that so you won't feel so uh, worried about the sheets <laughs> or wherever you shower, are whatever. in the shower exactly yeah so wherever you're doing that and as i said a lot of people find they're more aroused at that time um i think yeah that was all yeah um and um yeah so i said about the pain as well and yeah i suppose it's just that for some people yeah that they they think it's um oh some people that's what i was going to say some people think that you can't get pregnant 
uh, if it's a person with a penis having sex with someone with a vagina. So I, I know that there is the, there is a small we you know chance that that can happen. I just do mention that because it has happened. It's not you mean whilst whilst yeah, whilst you're bleeding, yeah. But but it's it's not common. But I, I will just say that. There's that one million chance. Yes, I I'll always... just say it. That's just me just throwing that out there because I know someone will go, but, but yeah, and I know I've heard people say that, but generally that's not the case. Commonly. I think, it, I, think um, I have, I just feel like I want to, I want to share this, but in the inner summer module of the Well Women Academy, which is all about ovulation. So it's about mm. that, that ovulation yeah. cycle. Yeah. I, um, I, I talk a lot about and share about sperm and yeah. How your body is literally designed yes. to help the sperm. Get yeah, and they hang around. <laughs> oh, like your discharge changes, your yes. changes, yeah. and like your body's designed to do that. Mm-hmm. And the sperm are like they're committed little driven buggers. They are right. So they no matter around. when in your cycle, I think that if you know that's going to happen, just be aware. <laughs> yeah. So what are um, what are some like some important steps or tips that you would give? to a woman who's having a sexual relationship with a, uh, with a male through penetrative sex. And I know it's an awkward conversation for a lot of people about like, mm. well, he wants to cut, like ejaculate and come inside me, but I'm not really sure about when the good time in my cycle is to mm. do safe time. Mm. What are some tips or some um, guidance that you would give to women in those? Yeah, look, I mean, I try to get people to practice to be as clear and upfront as possible because, geez, if, you get an, if you've got an unplanned pregnancy, that's a whole other conversation that might be even more awkward and more difficult. So mm-hmm. let's go back to the first one by saying, let's do this. If we put the, have this conversation and then you can say, hey, I know you really like that. That feels really good. You want to come inside me. I get it. Um, but I'm a bit concerned around if, um, I might have a pregnancy that we're not planning on. So, you know, then what is that? And, you know, share the responsibility. That's what I really think is important because I mm-hmm. think people with vaginas end up having so much more responsibility and it sucks and it's not fair. So, um, yeah. Share responsibilities. Totally. Yes, that should be part of it. You want to be a good lover? It's not all about that. It's that too. I am. Um, it's, oh, this has been so good. <laughs> I know all the women listening are like, oh my God, we want more, we want more. Um, <laughs> but we're almost out of time. Okay. So I do have a final question for you um, mm. that I ask all of our guests mm-hmm. is what, and I'm really excited to ask you this, knowing <laughs> that you've done sex ed at school. Uh-huh. Personally, I feel there needs to be sex ed and period ed. So mm-hmm. different education between the two. I think the whole thing, just need the whole thing. We need to add it all in there. Part it of needs a revamp. Yeah, right. It totally needs a revamp. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are three guiding tips that you would give to your younger menstruating self mm-hmm. that you now know today, but you wish you had have known then? And they can um, around sexuality, um, not just bleeding or menstruation. I suppose probably more about just feeling less shame around buying tampons and stuff, which, are, you mm-hmm. know, the tampons and pads, I, I, rem- I have memories of that because I was such a heavy bleeder. I was often wearing, you know, tampons and pads and swapping them a lot in the day. So I suppose around just feeling, you know, it was always hidden and secret, you know, running to the bin and trying to hide it at school. So that sort of stuff, I wish I could tell her that, you know, this is not just something um, that you're going through and the shame around that. Um, also, I suppose I did love the, I suppose, the way that some of the school friends, we would keep an eye out for each other on like the backs of our school dresses and stuff like that. So mm. that's a tip, but I just loved that 
we would share that with each other sometimes. Like, can I'm just going to walk in front of you. Can you see if there's blood on my pants and stuff like that? Because I, you know, I had an incident like that where I sat down the street and there's blood everywhere because I was just such a heavy bleeder. Um, yeah, and I suppose that um, that for a lot of people it's such a negative thing, and I get that. Like, I, it'd be interesting to if we celebrated it more. But I get mm. that again. Some some people don't want to do that because of a bunch of different reasons, trauma, whatever. But um, if we can get into a different space about understanding how that that's just our body doing what it's doing. And I suppose, I think I often talk about this around the shame around um, how even commercials would show blue blood and yellow blood, like with an ink rather than there's a pad and just put some red blood on there, you know, but when you see a Band-Aid ad, they'll do the fake red blood, but it's like, oh, we won't show period blood though, which, it, you know, it's, it sort of perpetuates yeah. the shame around that. Mm. I don't even know if I've just answered your things, but brought up something else. <laughs> you have. Yeah. It's funny that you've, what you've just brought up. I don't know if you've seen Libra, which is an Australian um, like pad tampon company. Mm. Um, they recently brought out an advert. I don't know whether it screened on TV, but it was all over YouTube about periods and going through the experience of getting your period for the first time, but it was yeah. filmed as if the period was occurring for a boy. Oh, I didn't see that one. Yeah. Not a girl. So mm. it was like, as if boys got their period and they went through menzies and started to menstruate yeah. and the relationship yeah. that they would have through them playing sport and them mm. being you know, their mm. relationship with their parents and them going to school. It was mm. fantastic. Yeah. Right? Totally flipping the, the script. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And it really made you think like, wow, maybe we are a little bit different at this time in the way that we talk to boys or girls around. Yeah. I mean, whenever I would do puberty, I wouldn't ask, I didn't like it when they separated genders and stuff like that. Cause I'm like, I'm sorry, but obviously there's some intersex young people and people who are trans, but also just these, some of these people are going to be living and moving in and having lives with these people with vaginas. Everybody needs to know about what's going on so they can all be left, less left in the dark. You know, I think it's so empowering like such a uh, off topic but um recently i had been dating and like i was i was dating so i was meeting mm. different people and mm. i'm a heterosexual so meeting men and they're like yeah. well, what do you do for work and i'm like oh i'm a menstrual psycho educator <laughs> and they're like a what yeah and the reactions <laughs> were so interesting like yeah. it was actually a really good experience because some men would lean in and be like oh, i need to know this information yeah, like course. tell me more and then yeah. others were like oh yeah okay how's the weather yeah so it's super moved, uncomfortable about it yeah. yeah but i was more surprised that more men were interested mm. in wanting to learn more it's like yeah. oh, because yeah, they get sent out they're, they're, the way that used to be is they will literally get sent out and i was like, are you kidding this is not we need to be sharing all of this knowing what everybody goes through regardless of genitals mm, exactly and it's it, it, all boys like i um, was saying before we jumped on the call um exist because of a period so why would they not want to, you know, learn about it and mm -hmm. learning about it is only going to help benefit them in the future. Yeah. And just give people an understanding. And so they're not sort of left out in the dark and yeah, that's mm. right. So that's kind of would be great if we had had more of that conversation and sort of like, oh, well, off you go. I know. Well, let's, let's um, work at bringing. You can't hope, right? <laughs> I know that's what I'm, I would, yeah, I'm working on bringing something into schools at the moment. So that's definitely on my radar. Yeah. But Naomi, thank you so much for joining us for the podcast today. I've loved our chat. We've 
literally touched on so many different things. Yeah. <laughs> For our listeners, um, how can they find you if they want to connect with you or they'd love yeah. to start a conversation with you? So um, I'm, I'm not very good on Facebook, but I'm on Instagram as Australian Sexologist. And if you just Google my name, I've got a website where people can book to have appointments with me. Um, yeah, so just Google my name and it'll come up. Naomi Hutchings. I will pop all of those links in our show notes. But Naomi, thank you so much for joining us. And um, I can't see you soon. Won't we? We're live. We're on the panel for the clips. (laughs) We're going to (laughs) meet on Thursday. I can't wait for it. But thank you so much. And um, everyone, have a great day. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to every episode of the Well Women podcast. I trust you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. If you got a lot out of it too, please subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes or your podcast app. This means together we can inspire, connect and educate even more women. Now, is there a bestie, a sister or a friend who you know may be frustrated and confused with their health? Are they ready to discover new aspects of themselves too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your social media, email it, text it or any way you need to get it to their ears. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony and balance with our bodies. And be sure to tag me in it too. Hashtag Well Women Podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.